Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Indie Pioneers by Cosmetics Design Asia, where we get to hear from some of the most fascinating independent beauty brands from Asia Pacific. Today my guests are Fue and Susan from Gaba, a brand that aims to represent the culture and identity of Myanmar and its youth. I chat with the founders to find out more about how they built the brand while apart during the pandemic. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> it's so good to see you again. Hope you've been well. We've been good. No, we're glad to connect again. It's been a little while. Yeah, so let's get started. So we're here to talk about Gaba, your brand, which is, as far as we know, one of the first fragrance labels from Myanmar. Possibly the first. Yeah, I think so. Right, Susan? At least we don't know anyone. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we'll just, we'll just run with it, right? <laughs> well, of course, Gaba is very tied to your, your country. And, you know, when we first spoke last year, you mentioned that the wish is that the both of you wanted to develop a beauty brand that could represent and showcase uh, the beauty and culture of Myanmar. Uh, maybe, Susan, you could start by telling us a bit more about Myanmar and its, its beauty cultures. You know, what is something interesting that we might not know about? Well, Myanmar has a really rich history of using like local botanicals and beauty rituals. And there's this tree bark in Myanmar that locals make a paste out of, and that's called thanaka. And it's really, really widely used for its skincare benefits. So traditionally, people will roll the, the tree bark with some water on a stone plate to create a paste. And then they'll put, apply it on their faces. And thanaka is really known for its antioxidant properties and sun protection properties. And so for centuries, people in the country have been... Um, using it as a daily morning ritual and it's very much ingrained in our culture right it's, it's kind of is it slightly yellow and like they kind of use it like a like a face yeah. mask almost yeah almost looks like a face mask like one of those um um like charcoal kind of but it, it's a, it's a yellowy paste so it's it's not as dark but oh, yeah that's yeah. interesting i've always thought it was turmeric you know <laughs> it look like that, but it's not. It's actually made from yeah. paste made from ground, ground bark, yeah. So what made you decide to start a fragrance brand? Because maybe the, the route is to go for skincare or maybe makeup. So why, why go with fragrance? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, I know we've reflected on this a lot, but long story short with fragrance, we felt that it really combined a lot of the key intentions and efforts that we had at the beginning. I know you mentioned at the beginning of this, Amanda, that um, we spoke last about um, what we wanted of bringing Myanmar yeah, heritage to the world and, and representing our culture. I felt that fragrance actually was the perfect medium to do something like that. Um, but then with our brand, we think a lot about mindfulness and conscious living and allowing people to kind of elevate their state of mind. We also think too about how we can inspire a next generation and kind of harnessing this energy of youth and the spirit of youth and somehow fragrance was able to do all those things at once and um, when we were thinking about different beauty categories to be in it felt like the almost the perfect match for a first foundational product but you're right it's not always the usual route it's trickier for sure as a market but somehow it worked very well for us how did goodbye come to be What's, what's the story there? What's the story there? <laughs> Absolutely. There are many layers. And I'll have Suze definitely chime in because she's seen a lot being on the ground in Myanmar also. Uh -huh. But really with Gaba, we started this about two years ago now. Time has absolutely flown. Um, <laughs> this was a predictably a pandemic-born brand. We were thinking about this in March of 2020 just as the pandemic was hitting. I was in New York at the time. Suze was still in Myanmar. Um, and again, like we mentioned, we were thinking a lot about cultivating a brand that would tap into our Burmese or Myanmar heritage. And at that time, it was such a turbulent period, but somehow this idea kept rising and rising. 
Um, and like we were mentioning, we were thinking at that time too about mindfulness, conscious living, these tenets of um, Buddhism that run so deeply in our cultures as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it always felt perfect in a way, even though it was such a crazy time in the world, to be able to build this brand in, in that quiet period of all being kind of locked away in our homes and mm. having that time to think and plan. So it really began there. And um, maybe, Suze, you can touch a little bit on like what you were seeing in Yama at the time because that energy definitely shifted our brand and built Gabar as well. Whoa. Yeah, so basically I grew up in Yangon and I moved to New York in 2012 to go off to college. And then I moved back to Yangon in mid-2019. And, and I noticed there, a new kind of energy in Yangon, which is the capital city of Myanmar. Mm -hmm. So there was, a, there was a new scene of young people who were fresher, more rebellious, and more in tune with themselves. And I just noticed that they cared less about what others thought and were also more outspoken, activists, and connected with the world. And also, you know, like as Quaid mentioned, in February of this year, there was a military coup in Myanmar, and it was kind of an incredibly turbulent time um, for us and you know it helped us confirm what we were already seeing that it was the youth that were at the forefront of this movement um of resistance and the ones that were championing change and with our brand too like we wanted to channel that energy of youth of uh, rebelliousness of you know a newfound like spirit of freedom basically mm, right. so Hui, you also mentioned you said that um you guys started out as a fragrance brand because you saw it as a, a a very it's a perfect medium right to to share your story and and it does, you know, with, with what you guys are talking about in terms of like mindful resistance. You know, actually, could you tell us a bit more about what mindful resistance means to the both of you? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, an, it's an interesting term because it's almost like an, an oxymoron or like two yeah, opposite words. Exactly. Ones, right? People don't expect it to be together. But I think for us, what mindful resistance means is this ability to speak up for yourself, speak up for the things that you believe in, um, but through this quietness, peacefulness, and serenity, um, and we saw this happen time and time again, especially during the coup and with the resistance that was happening on ground, where obviously it was a horrible time, there was so much violence on, on different levels, but to see um, Myanmar people stand up in all these peaceful means, that's sort of core to what mindful resistance is, right? But of course, we think about this more on an individual level, what we as individuals can be doing to build the world that we want to see. And for us, it means focusing on your internal peace, internal change. There's so many things about the world we can and should change in terms of systems and outside, um, outside sort of paradigms. But at the end of the day, you have all of the ability to change your internal well-being and, and the way you see yourself. And that for us is mindful resistance, like internal change versus just what you see on the outside. Right now, your collection has three fragrances, Float, Ground, and Swim. What is the story behind each of them? Yeah. Right, so kind of our three scents are um, uh, kind, of, kind of anchored on, you know, three separate locations in Myanmar and three different states of mind. So Swim was inspired by um, 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 this, this luscious, like, forest region in Myanmar called Pa'an. Um, and ground is inspired by this kind of arid, um, kind of sandy, dry, um, ancient capital called Bagan. And Float was inspired by this large, expansive lake in um, northern Shan State in Myanmar called um, Inlay Lake. And with that, too, I guess um, it correlates with three different states of mind for us. Yeah. Did you guys have any like formal perfume training before this? 
So honestly, no. Honestly, oh. no. It's one of these things where um, we worked, of course, quite closely with a, a perfumer or a nose, as they call it. And yep. she brought all the wonderful deep knowledge of both chemistry as well as like the general formulation side. But for us, it's very intuitive. Like Susan and I, it's, it's one of those mediums where um, you can have a strong intuitive sense for what makes sense and what goes together. And I think both of us have honed in on that over many, many years of passionately consuming fragrance as well as just beauty products in general. So that helps us that no formal training right. <laughs> will have to. You know, I find it interesting because um, I think it's fine to not have formal training, right? I think it kind of maybe brings a fresh perspective um, to the medium. But how did you guys manage to convey something so personal as your country, your culture, your identity to, to your perfumer who, I'm sorry, I'm assuming uh, wasn't from Myanmar? <laughs> She's not, no. Yeah. No, it's a good question. And it's interesting because um, about the whole time we were working with her, Suze was on ground in Myanmar. I was in New York at the time, and then I went over to London. And then she was in London the whole time. So beyond just translating it, we were doing it all virtually, which is so That's interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Well, you think, right? Yeah, because I would think oh, that yeah. if you, you wanted to create something, you, she would probably have to visit Myanmar, right? Oh, yeah. But like you, you couldn't at, during the pandemic time. No, yeah, so you like, could you walk me through like how how you your, your discussions or your meetings would go? I find this very fascinating. Yeah, it was super interesting. It was um, a lot of it is a testament to how strong the virtual age is. But we started off because she couldn't go to Myanmar. We sent as much as possible to her. Meaning, our first sprint with her was essentially helping her and her team understand Myanmar and the smells that we associated with it. So I think. She's right, like we, we sent her like the Naka, like we sent her the, the um, yellow creamy paste that um, we were mentioning before. We yeah. sent her like different smells from the kitchen, um, different oils that we sourced from various places across Asia that were representative of Myanmar. So it helped her get a good idea of the types of smells that were familiar to us because uh-huh. I think everyone grows up with a different scent profile to- depending on where they are. And, and it's probably similar to us and Singaporean culture and things. There, there are probably things that are similar. Um, but all to say that was the way we started. And it went from there to a bigger conversation, us like sharing stories and sharing different narratives of the three different locations, sending her a picture. So she had to really form a sense of Myanmar from all these virtual needs as well as the smells. But it, it actually um, worked quite well. She had a strong intuition too for yeah. what we were trying to build. So I think it helped. As a writer, I've always felt uh, a sort of um, kinship with, with with noses because I feel that we're both storytellers. Yeah. You know, it's... And and with a with a nose, it's like you have to understand the story. You have to absorb the story and 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 you know really understand it and then translate it into in my case words and in in a perfumer's case into scent. Completely, that's exactly what she needs to do, and it's a beautiful process. It's really enriching and creative and. Yeah, there's a lot of room for interpretation on both sides. So matching what's in my head and what's in Susan's head with what she's creating, it's yeah. a process, right? Uh, but it's beautiful. So when you guys first smelled the fragrances, when you, when, you started, when the magic started happening and it all come together, you know, what were your first thoughts? <laughs> what do you think, Susan? I think because it was unique for Susan because she sort of had been afar while we were building. Right. Yeah. So I was looking like DHL packages, but like ours 
samples in it and I would get really really excited about it and we would get like you know sets and sets of samples and you know it kind of just went from there to like us you know trying it out virtually and me and Poi just like kind of going on zoom calls and like kind of you know kind of figuring out how we feel about each you know iteration of the set and you know how how we want to you know change it moving forward or you know what kind of um things we want to take out add in and you know what we wanted um you know going forward with that and so it was just definitely kind of a trial and error process and something like that we kept very fluid um on our end definitely like a creative process for us i imagine it must have been a great moment to finally open the package and smell it and say oh this is what this is exactly what we are looking for yeah it definitely took some time and um you know like i think three different sampling rounds three or four different sampling rounds but we finally um kind of came to kind of the perfect kind of formulation for us and we were really really excited about about it that's amazing isn't it like even though you guys were completely locked down you're separated by land and sea with speaking (laughs) to someone who does it's just wonderful that how it managed to come together yeah no we're grateful and i think for us like it felt so natural i think susan and i just like loved the process of all of this so for us it all flowed but i think a lot of people maybe knowing what we were doing they'd be so maybe like confused or like maybe surprised right to be like you're starting a fragrance brand and brand in the middle of the pandemic you've got all these barriers like how are you going to do it but none of that even struck us i think we were both consumed by That's interesting like the process yeah wow all right, if we could move on, you know, how do you think fragrance has, I mean, you guys have been completely immersed in fragrances in the past couple, uh, past couple of years. You know, how do you think it has evolved in recent years compared to, let's say, you know, five, ten years ago? Well, I, I think for years, the fragrance industry has, you know, prom- um, promoted the idea of using scent as a means to attract the opposite yes, sex. Yes, very central, yeah. Opinion. Yeah, so a lot of the marketing and messaging in the industry has been centered around this idea. But I think the pandemic has really shifted the collective mindset around fragrance. So kind of while we're stuck at home, like stuck in our homes during the year, people kind of started, you know, forming skincare rituals, like lighting scented candles, like spritzing their favorite scent, you know, all all as a form of self-care and something to add a little bit of joy and, you know, lift their moods during these really dark times. So now I feel like the idea of scent as something you wear for yourself, as opposed to something you put on for others has become more pronounced than ever before. So that's kind of the biggest shift in, you know, the fragrance industry I've noticed over the past couple of years. Susan, you started out by mentioning about Myanmar's beauty cultures. Like, do you guys have a, a relationship with fragrance? You know, what- well, yeah, I think for the longest time, I think there are certain scents that, you know, certain flowers like jasmine or, and there's this one flower, um, the name's escaping me, but um, I only know in Burmese, so it basically blooms at night and it's it's called Nyamuipa and it's really like, um, a wonderful scent and i said so i think in our culture like um we definitely have like certain like you know natural like botanicals like um and ingredients that that we're naturally drawn to and so for for sure we definitely have um, a connection to scent and um it's definitely something really special to our culture you know there is a culture of like you know going to temple going to like pagodas and you know they're like you can buy incense and light it and you know it's, it's definitely part of our culture and our, and, our, and our ritual too and yeah like buddhism for sure plays a, lar- a large role in that how long has it been for the brand of two years now two three years now yeah two years, <laughs> two yeah. years. so yeah so how has that been going so far 
Yeah, it's been going super well. But um, when we say two years, so we only launched in October of last year. So actually, yeah. we have been com- commercially um, out there for about six to seven months now, which is already crazy to think. But it's been going really well. We've been loving this journey because now we can actually speak to real people and have people enjoy the perfume. And we're still... There's still those that are, every time someone says, you know, they, they love it or they, uh, some positive thing, we're still getting butterflies. That's just, that's the journey that we're still on where it feels quite intimate and quite personal still, but it's been wonderful. Is it, is it still available in the UK only or has, have you expanded out? Yeah, we're primarily available in the UK, but we do ship out to the US as well as some countries in Europe. We haven't made it that quite yet to Asia, but I'm um, just slowly entering Myanmar again now, just with the political climate, it's all a bit sensitive, but we will be coming back to Asia at some point soon is the goal. Wow, fantastic. Uh, so what's next for, for the brand then, if we could follow that? Is, are you guys planning to come back to Asia in the next 12 months or, you know, what's the plan there? Yeah, 100%. There's a, a couple of bigger bigger plans on the on the radar, but the first is uh, the launch of our two new beauty products. So even though um, we started, yeah, I can't remember if we told you last time, Amanda, but we've been... I think you did. I sounds, it sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been keeping it still a bit under the wraps, but it'll happen soon in the next three to four months. So we're getting there, but we're launching two new beauty products, a facial oil and a body oil using Southeast Asian botanicals, things like lotus extract, orchid extract. But the formulas are very simple. Um, Susan and I worked with a, a lab out in India, actually, and they're quite specialized in like aromatic medicine. Yeah, so it's wonderful, but that's on the radar. Um, and then beyond that, geographically, we definitely uh, focus right now on just a UK and Europe growth. Um, but next year, we plan to fully launch back in the US and then the year after that will be Asia. So it'll take a little bit of time. We're going one by one, but it makes sense for us and um, the rate that we want to move. May I know why you guys are, you know, saving Asia for last, saving the best for last? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a couple of things. I think one, like um, we want to get a better handle on what our customers love and what makes sense. And, mm-hmm. and each country is so different in terms of their consumption culture, their consumption of beauty. Um, and so each we want to be very thoughtful every time we enter a new market. Um, and purely too, just logistically, obviously, it's a little bit trickier, just me being further away from it. Susan's definitely closer, so she would take the helm of Asia. But I think we want to give it proper thought. And we also want to wait until the product range is expansive enough that um, it makes sense for the, the, the market there. So there's a few things to put into place. So we can't wait to be back because I think um, people will love our product, especially somewhere in Singapore that's familiar with places like Myanmar and is an affinity but it's a bit of time yeah i'm sure i'm sure the market would love uh, becoming because like fragrance is really huge here and there's a huge yeah. appetite for all these niche brands i'm very sure that your brand story will resonate with with the people here around yeah. the region actually yeah yeah i noticed that too because i was in bangkok for um, yeah. um a hard holiday period and like in a lot of the bigger malls there are so many of these like niche perfume brands popping up and people are really gravitating towards that and like moving away from kind of the mass produced ah. uh, big brands. I've noticed that a lot too in, in, in the consumption culture in Thailand. 
Yeah, yeah, they have a they really have a great like local local scene. I I spoken to one perfume brand from Thailand called Cyan nineteen twenty eight. I don't know if you heard of them. It's it's run by this guy who is like a, uh, his grandmother used to be in the court of uh one of the their kings King Rama, uh I'm sorry yeah and and she used to kind of ground this um, this. She used to make this perfume basically formulate this perfume that they would wear to temple, and so that 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 product is like over centuries a century year old, and he's basically taken this family business so it's still running today and um, and modernized it and made it into this beautiful perfume. Love that. Well, look it up for sure. Yeah, That's awesome. you look it up. It's he's got beautiful packaging and it's very it's like um. I love the packaging because it's made in, it's not a glass uh, bottle, it's ceramic. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I and love it's got, that. it's got beautiful illustrations and you know, for him as well, just like you guys, he's, he's trying to convey uh, the culture and the beauty of Thailand with, and it's very like fantastical for him, it's, there's a, like um, local legends and stories. And it's Beautiful. just, it's very fantasy, which I, I really, and I really quite, um, it, it draws me in for, for that reason. I love that. Honestly, it's so like heartwarming and like super humbling for us to hear of other like Southeast Asia rooted brands. It makes us proud, you know, because it's like representing the whole region in a space that's, you know, there are so few Southeast Asian brands. So it's awesome Correct, to hear correct. that. Because it's a, it's a great region, right, to be part of. <laughs> it's so, it's always so interesting and so colorful. We're all a bit And biased, but yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <we're> a bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah. we agree. What else, what else can we expect from you guys? Yes. Maybe, maybe more fragrances? Definitely, definitely. We were actually, Susan and I were actually just talking about this because we've met our next perfumer um, who's actually situated in New York and we've been working with him on um, what's coming up next. So there'll be two new fragrances coming up after the beauty products, but that'll be sometime early next year. And then after that, honestly, the product range is a bit open in the sense of we want to just evaluate um, what our customers want, what they're thinking, and then we'll we'll make more of a decision early next year for what's to come next. Um, yeah, so a lot of exciting things, but we love this idea of keeping it a bit fluid as well, um, not mapping everything down just yet. So I've shared this uh, uh, brand from Thailand that I, I really enjoy. Maybe you guys could tell me what indie brands you find um, inspiring. Actually, there's one that we, we adore quite well. It's called Moy Hood. Actually, you might be interested as well, Amanda, in hearing more, but Yeah. they're a Chinese heritage brand and they're focused, they're, the founders we know, the founder we know quite well. Um, she's also here in London, but it's called Moy Hood, M-U-I-H-O-D. And she's been formulating this beautiful cleansing balm that's based off like traditional Chinese medicine, but for the modern age, very sweet, very warm brand. It's all about sisterhood. It's all about creating this community of, um, yeah, just like empowered women. Or, um, so it's wonderful. That's one brand we look up to a lot and they're here, um, here as well. And, and less about beauty, but there's another brand called Cremate um, here in London too. And the founder we also know personally and have like done talks with before, but he started this incense brand that is like very in line with the bar as well. And it's all about modern incense and kind of, uh, 
colliding the worlds of fashion and incense, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, he takes inspiration from Buddhism too. It's also a black owned label and it's, yeah, it's wonderful. But these are some things that, yeah, we get, we get excited about. Wow. What about you, Susan? Yeah, I think for me, there's this one brand called Nature of Things, and um, they make these beautiful like, bath products, like bath salts, like creams, things like that, and, and packaging is beautiful, it's in stone packaging, and just, it's not just like something that you, you know, buy and throw away, something that you can, you can keep and just looks really aesthetic in your, in your bathroom or in your, in your cupboard, things like that. So that brand for me, I think really stands out in, in, in the sort of beauty bath, um, self-care ca- category. Wonderful. Well, thanks, ladies. I really enjoyed speaking to you guys and to find out more about your stories. It's actually been very inspiring. Thank you so much for having me speak to us. No, no, my pleasure, my pleasure. I hope to finally see your brand back in Southeast Asia. Yes, we'll be there soon. Definitely. (laughs) This has been Amanda for CosmeticsDesignAsia.com. Join me again in the next episode for more conversations with beauty's indie pioneers.